Hello, everybody. Andrea Pacini here from Ideas on Stage. I'm a presentation coach and founder of Ideas on Stage UK. We help people, business professionals mainly, create and deliver engaging business presentations. And today I'm super excited because I have a very interesting guest. Her name is Olivia James. She is a performance anxiety and trauma consultant. And that's what we are going to talk about today. Olivia, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. No, of course. For me, uh, Olivia, I'm, I'm super happy to have this conversation with you because you are a, an anxiety and, and trauma consultant, expert in this field. And, and I have to say, for me, the, the thing that, that's most is interesting, being a presentation coach, is how that relates to public speaking and giving presentations. Because I don't know what your experience is, but my experience is that so many people, when they need to stand up in front of an audience and share their ideas, there's always that kind of nervousness or even anxiety sometimes. As, as Mark Twain once said, there are only two types of speakers, those who get nervous and those who are liars. <laughs> so I'm very interested in understanding your perspective on this. And I know just between you and I that you also speak perfect Italian. I'm Italian, so we could do that in Italian, but maybe it's not the best thing for our audience. La prossima volta. Ah, next time, yeah. <laughs> okay, perfect. So, Olivia, before, before we jump into, to, into this topic, so public speaking anxiety, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, what you do, why you do it, a little bit about your story as well? Um, so yes, um, I am a therapist. I've been a therapist for about 20 years and I've helped people with all sorts of anxiety and all sorts of areas where they get triggered, where they get, where their nervous system response stops them from doing something that they actually want to do or to even live a normal life sometimes. Uh, or sometimes, as you probably found with, with your clients, sometimes people don't necessarily want to do public speaking, but it's a, part of, it's a part of what they do for a living. So they have to do it. So they're not necessarily somebody who would love to stand on stage and have the attention. But either it's their job or they have an important story to tell. And it's, that's, that's what drives them. Yeah, and... For me, it's super interesting to understand from your perspective, what makes people nervous, especially when we're talking about public speaking? Because what I see, and I may be wrong, but what I see, Olivia, is that for so many people, when it comes to having a conversation one-to-one -one or maybe having a meeting with a few people, often it's okay, but then the same people, so often when it comes to standing up, in front of an audience and sharing your ideas, delivering your presentation, then they get nervous. Yes. Why is that? Where does the difference come from? Yes. So there are, the, the human nervous system has evolved to keep us safe, right? So what, what happens with somebody when they stand up in front of 
public, a, a pub, the public, and they get too nervous is because their nervous system has, and their psychology has misaligned this situation as a threat to their survival. So when somebody gets that nervous, their system reacts as if they are in physical danger. So it gets them ready to defend themselves. And one feature of that is that a lot of the blood will go, adrenaline, one of the stress hormones, will cause a lot of the blood to go straight to the vital organs because you might be being attacked. That's what the nervous system thinks. It thinks this is a serious, serious situation. So what happens is a lot of the blood goes there and a lot of the blood leaves your prefrontal cortex, which is the bit of your brain that you need for cognitive, logical thinking and also for remembering. So, and the reason that, that, that somebody might have misassigned that situation as a, as a physical, physical threat to their survival is very often that there have been memories in the past that have been traumatic. Mm. Now, let me give you an example. So uh, I don't know what you were like as a school child, but this in the days before, I'm obviously really old. So in the days before mobile phones, your friend would pass you a little piece of paper and you would look at the piece of paper and you would laugh and giggle. And then the teacher would say, right, you, Andrea, why don't you share with the class what was so funny, right? And then the association gets made of standing up in front of people equals punishment, equals people laughing at you, possibly. So memories like that can start to, to change that, that experience of, of, of sharing your story with somebody or talking in front of people. It can become associated. Now, that, that's, that can be one example. Another one can be being criticized as a child for saying the wrong thing, being laughed at by all your friends, being bullied for being different. All these things can, can start to um, change the association between standing up and saying stuff to this is a dangerous situation and we need to avoid it and we need to go into fight or flight or even freeze. Ah, okay, interesting. So does that mean that every time there is some level of nervousness or anxiety from people, does that mean that every time it goes back to maybe even our childhood? Yes, it's, it's quite possible. It's quite possible. So as a, as a speaker, you, you, I'm assuming you, do you speak as well publicly? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, all the time. So a certain amount of nerves are quite helpful, right? But too much. And literally, your heart is beating so fast, your brain can go, you, you know, your brain can go blank. That's too much. So often there are basically the, the, within your brain an association has been made, like a neural pathway a certain neural pathway has been created that will cause that that response. Okay, and then in that, of course, the implications are obvious because, as you said, maybe you forget what you want to say or you start even panicking. Yeah. 
So what do we do about it? If somebody comes to you and tells you, Olivia, look, I need to give a TEDx talk. I know we were talking about that before. Or an yeah. important presentation at a conference, but I'm so nervous. I'm really anxious about it. What are some of the pieces of advice or, or tips or anything that you use to, to help these people? Yeah. So first of all, I will, I will take a case history and I will find out if there have been specific events that have caused this anxiety. So uh, one example of somebody I worked with, uh, she works in the National Health Service and she's an expert on a certain lung condition. Now, public speaking was never her favorite thing but she could do it. And one day she was presenting to a hundred colleagues and she was a bit tired. And when, when people are tired, your brain doesn't work as well. Anyway, she went completely blank on stage in front of a hundred doctors and medical staff and didn't know totally blank for two minutes. Now the, the organizer had to get on stage and remind her what she was talking about. And she kind of just finished the presentation. But after that, somebody said, hey, do you want to give a presentation? She was like, no, I'm not going to. No, no, she'd say, I'm not, oh, no, I won't be there. Or she would try and get a colleague to do it. So with a client like that, where there has been a specific incident that has caused their quite understandable avoidance reaction and their phobia and their big panic, because the nervous system is constantly scanning for danger. And it goes, well, we certainly don't want that happening again. So we're not gonna do public speaking because last time we did that, that's what happened. And it was the worst thing ever, right? So if I have a client like that, then I will work specifically on that memory and neutralize it. Now, I, I, there's a, a, a technique I use uh, with the one-to-one clients that, that's an eye movement technique that helps uncouple basically helps neutralize that memory so that's one thing okay. the other question about that so that's one of the strategies that i would use that's super interesting to to know that okay you go back to that particular case that caused the the anxiety to, yes. to happen in the first place yes is, is that always the case or do you have situations where somebody tells you look it's not that it happened one time in my life and that's why i feel nervous it's just that you know when i stand up in front of an audience i feel nervous what do we do about it do you have any any advice there what, what would yes you say? yes i do uh, there's a there's a technique that i teach all my clients that's a relaxation technique that's uh, a body-based technique. Um, it's called meridian tapping or emotional freedom techniques. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah. Um, so about five years ago, somebody came to me who was a, um, an oil executive. And he had been invited to do a keynote to 500 people. For some people, that would be bad enough. But unfortunately, this guy also had a speech impediment. So he has a stammer. So, and he said, look, I'm not expecting you to cure my stammer, but I want you to help me with my nerves. So I, um, first of all, we went through the speech. We did all the practical things. So I got him to, 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 to read the speech to me and I realized there were too many words in it. So I got him to cut a lot of it. 
and to make it so he didn't have to rush, you know, like he must do practical things like that. But then I taught him this tapping technique, which is very simple. So you can use that, use your fingers. And he was doing this tapping technique while he was giving his keynote. So it's the top of the, that's it. So yeah, you start at the top of the top of the nail there and then you work down and then the next finger down. So, you know, that's it. And you go all the way down. Oh, it's quite relaxing. Thanks for making me do this. <laughs> so he was doing this behind the lectern the whole way through his speech. And it helps. What this does is it reduces the amount of cortisol that your body produces, which is your stress hormone. And it sends calming signals to the amygdala, which is the, the, the bit responsible for the fight, flight, freeze. So I will also teach all my clients to do that technique. And you can use that beforehand, before you go on stage, but also during. And it tends to just relax everything and, and down-regulate down it. That's very useful. And um, for how long? Would you need to do that? Maybe before a presentation? Uh, yeah, you to... do it before a presentation. You certainly do it while you're practicing. Now, another, oh. I'm giving away all my secrets now, but another thing that I, <laughs> I don't do want with... you to do that. No, just... no, 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 no. I'm very happy to do it. Another thing I, I get my clients to do is also is beforehand, think about all the things that might go wrong. It might seem really counterproductive to do that. But in fact, your subconscious is constantly scanning for danger. Your subconscious has already thought about these things. You might consciously not have thought about it. So what will you do if your laptop doesn't work? What will you do if, if the, the tech guy can't make your presentation come up on the screen? Do you have a backup plan? All those things can really, really help you actually feel more prepared. So there are a lot of practical things that you can do as well as things to do with, with the actual nervous system because all those things will help you feel more prepared. Of course, yeah. And, and it's, it's good to hear from, my, uh, from your side that there, are, there is a combination, if I understood well, yes. of practical things and things that also come from 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 science and how a body works yes cool um from a practical perspective is there anything else things like for example what's your take on uh, breathing uh, before a presentation breathing in a certain way or movement things like that well, what do you think about it yeah so anything that I think those things can be very useful. Sometimes breathe, the, the wrong kind of breathing can actually make you more stressed. Mm. Things like breathing, grounding, moving, doing some voice work, maybe pacing up and down, shaking out your body, like all those things can help. Um, another technique that, that I share with people is before you wait, you're waiting to go on, and you're standing there and you're just focusing on yourself. Oh my God, I feel nervous. I feel nervous. Actually, look a few people in the eye. Smile at people. Say hello to a few people. Make friends with the audio person. Make friends with the video person. Go, if you can, go up to a few members in the audience. Make eye contact. Because that will get your, your nervous system 
into what's known as social engagement. It will get you focusing not on how you feel, but actually about your audience, which is what your focus should be anyway. It should be about, uh, you know, there's a saying in the, in the professional speaking world about you need to fall in love with your audience and you need to love them a little bit more than you love yourself. So you really, your focus needs to be there. Now, if, if somebody has a phobia, that needs to be treated first because, because otherwise they can't even go there. They can't even entertain that possibility. But if they have a mild case of nerves and they're prepared and they've had technical advice from somebody like you or me, then techniques like breathing, grounding, eye contact, smiling, saying hello to people, shaking their hands, that can actually help just get us down regulated enough so then so we don't end up rushing through it well we've all seen speakers that they just look like oh i don't want to be there i don't want to be there (laughs) now and i think that single piece of advice you gave is so valuable i do it all the time for me it's the most important thing before a presentation if you have a time as you said i i would even go further and you mentioned that not just for people not not just eye eye contact but also go there speak to people because first of all it's their presentation not yours so absolutely you need to focus on the audience but that also allows you to turn what you think might be enemies but they are not of course into into friends you you, you already start to you you need to be able to make a connection during your talk but if you can start even before there it makes things so much easier it does. that was very valuable thank you Olivia okay and what about what's your take on rehearsing so because what what I notice is that a lot of people tell me okay can you give us some public speaking tips when it comes to uh, avoiding or getting over anxiety and things like that and then I ask but but do, do you rehearse your presentations? And so many people say, uh, well, no, not really, or no, I don't. What do you think about this? Um, unless you're super talented and it just comes easy to you, rehearse, 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 of course. Um, the thing is, well, like one of the reasons for that is that you've got, you know, however many people you have sitting in front of you, if you are rubbish, no pressure, but if you are rubbish and you're talking to a hundred people for an hour, how much time have you wasted if somebody else is time? <laughs> no pressure, but still. <laughs> so I don't know if you've ever heard people say that before, but I think that's, that's very true. Now, when I speak, I usually have a, a rough idea of what I want to say. And of course, I know my subject, so I can talk about, I can talk about the nervous system and stress and trauma until, until the cows come home, as we say in England. But at the same time, you have to pitch it to your audience. Because like, if I'm presenting to psychologists, it's going to be very different to when I'm uh, presenting to school children, which I did a while ago talking to school children about how to manage stress so you need to be able to pitch it so rehearsing absolutely uh there are some really good tips that i've got from my colleagues in the in the public professional speaking association which are like 
rehearse and then rehearse it fast, rehearse it in a Scottish accent, <laughs> rehearse it slowly. Like, so then you, you become more familiar with it because when those nerves, and, and you, will, you will get some nerves, when those nerves hit, you'll know it so well yeah. that hopefully nothing will, nothing will phase you. However, at certain situations, I've just remembered, uh, I worked with a, a, TED, a TEDx speaker a little while ago who had, um, who's a, a very good, very experienced professional speaker, but she went to do her TEDx and she was not prepared for how bright the lights were. Because hmm. those lights come on and you can't see your audience. They come on and you're like a rabbit in the headlights. And she was like, so also be prepared for the different situations like try and get a feel for the space before you, beforehand all those things yeah no absolutely yeah ideally you not only do you want to rehearse i agree with you you also want to rehearse under similar conditions that you will Correct. actually face if it's possible yes especially for tedx talks and important presentations yes. like this. and i've never tried rehearsing with a scottish accent <laughs> i have tried the other tips another thing another thing i would maybe from my side another tip which is connected to what you said is rehearsing while doing something else so for example if you are able to deliver your presentation while you are um tidying up your room mm -hmm. or while you are driving of course being safe then that means that you know it so well yes and then when you are there you will it will be very unlikely that that you go blank because you know your material yes okay Olivia, thank you so much. Maybe just one thing. I've recently, I, I'd like to, I'm curious to understand your uh, perspective on this. I, I've recently seen a video from, do you know Simon Sinek? Yes. Okay. So maybe you've watched it as well. There is a video on YouTube. It's very short. Um, it's, it's called Nervousness versus Excitement, something like this. Mm -hmm. And he says, he, well, he, he tells the story and I find it interesting. He says he was watching the London Olympics and he would get annoyed with journalists because every single time they would ask the athletes either before or after a race or a performance, were you nervous or are you nervous? And every single time the athletes would answer, no, I'm, I'm excited. I was excited. And the reason why the journalists ask those questions is because they would be nervous not the athletes mm -hmm. and, and he says think about it what are the signs the body stimulate the, the signs of nervousness and he says well maybe and it's something that you mentioned as well before your your heart races your hands get clammy things like that and then he says and what are the signs of excitement well your heart races and and your hands get clammy so he says the world's best athletes have learned to interpret certain body stimuli, not as nervousness, but as excitement. Yeah. And I think that's something that we can connect to us, to, to my space, probably speaking to your space as well. But what do you think about this? Um, so it's a commonly known reframe, right? It's known as a reframe where you're reinterpreting that. Now, 
I have a I have slight issue with that because if somebody comes to me and they have a phobia, me telling them actually no, you're not terrified. It's excitement. Is not actually going to help them one bit. No, and I'm terrified. Fact, <laughs> and in fact, I for for most people because they're not therapists like I am. That's all they've got. That's all they've got. They haven't got any other tools in their toolbox. Now, to me, if somebody is truly terrified, they know the difference between that and excitement. So I, I do have a problem with that. I think if it works for you, fine. But for many people, that, that reframe doesn't work. And they feel even worse because they think, well, it's meant to work. Why isn't it working for me? There must be something wrong with me. Right. So I have I have a slight I have an issue with that because qualitatively, you know, the difference. And there's actually some research has come out uh, about this as well, that that it is different. It is a different it is a different activation. Um, so that's that's my take on that. So no, I thought I thought that would be the case and that, that's exactly why i asked the question i was i was very curious to understand your perspective yes. on this because it, yeah it's not that easy absolutely i mean if it were that easy fine but i think part <laughs> of part it what part of what it's obviously trying to be helpful but it could actually invalidate the person's experience it could say how you feel you are you're basically if you feel terrified you feel terrified and it's kind of saying, well, how you feel isn't valid and it's not true. Mm. And that doesn't seem very helpful to me. Yeah. It's a little bit like the other uh, piece of advice that, that's given about just imagine the audience naked. Ah. That's, that's meant to work. Well, of course, that doesn't work either. No. And it's, it seems to be kind of misunderstanding how the nervous system works. So what happens is when somebody's truly terrified is this trigger has come up from whatever memory, right? The trigger has come up from this way down. So a command from the top down, logically down to the system saying, actually, what you're feeling isn't true. And in fact, you're excited may not be the best way to actually help with that instinctive response. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. my that's my take on it. No, thank you. Thank you very much for that. Olivia, I've learned so much and, and I'm sure uh, our, our listeners and those who are watching us have learned as well. And if, if people want to get in touch with you, what's, what's the best way to do that? Uh, so I have a website uh, called harleystreetcoach.com and for my speaking, it's oliviatalks.me. So I'm available as a therapist and as a speaker on resilience and trauma and anxiety. Okay, perfect. Thanks again. Before we close, maybe just a, a message from my side. For those who are interested in learning more about presentation skills and how do you actually give a compelling business presentation, then there are a couple of things you can do. One is you, I'm running a number of free events in central London, lunch and learn events or evening talks where we go deeper into these topics, where we go to, we go deeper in terms of understanding how do you actually prepare design also and deliver an effective presentation. So I'll put the link either in the description of the post or in the comments, feel free to check it out. That's one thing you can do. The other thing is we've also 
have a number of free resources that I would like to share with you. For example, we have a report where we collected the most common mistakes people make when they create presentations. We also have a webinar where I talk about the three key ingredients you need in order to give compelling presentations. And we also have an online tool, the presentation scorecard, that you can take to very quickly assess your presentation skills. So you answer some questions, yes or no, it takes less than five minutes, and then you get, you'll get a score and what that score means for you. So again, if you're interested, it's free resources, check it out, I'll, I'll include the link in the comments as well. So Olivia, unless you have any other closing remarks? Uh, I know, I just wanna say thank you, I've really enjoyed it. No, me too. Thank you so much, Olivia. As I said, I've learned so much and I'm sure our listeners have learned as well. So thank you very much. We are both in central London, so I'm sure we'll, we'll keep in touch and we'll see each other in the near future and enjoy the rest of your week.